chapter 5, verse 12, beginning of verse, or the first half of chapter 5, Paul had encouraged the people of Thessalonica to walk as those who were in the light, and that's what we want to do is be those who walk as those who are in the light. He's, he's wrapping up this letter to the people here. And so these are his concluding thoughts here in this last chapter. And uh, we will, Lord willing, next Wednesday, continue right on through to Second Thessalonians. But tonight we'll finish up First Thessalonians. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you and I pray that you just help us to be blessed by hearing your word tonight. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you'd take away any fears or worries that I may have, any pride that's in my heart, dear Lord, that I would be completely dependent on you, dear Lord. We must all be dependent on you tonight because there's nothing good that, 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 that we bring in here, dear Lord, that's not of you. So, God, I pray that you be good to us tonight through your word and let your Holy Spirit speak to us and let us hear something that we need to hear tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 12, now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So as Paul is giving this conclusion, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't specifically mention people by name here, but it seems pretty clear he's talking about the leadership that's over the body of Christ there. And he says, look, recognize those who are doing the work, who are leading you, that, that God has put there. Give them honor, give them respect, uh, and regard them very highly in love because of what they are doing, and be at peace among yourselves. And so anywhere there's a body of Christ, there needs to be good, good leadership. And if there's not good leadership in a body, then, well, the body's not going to do well. And so God desires for good shepherds to watch over the flock and for the flock to, uh, to respect the shepherd and for the shepherd to give all for the flock. And that's the way the relationship should be uh, in a church. That's not the way it always is. Sometimes shepherds are bad. Sometimes bad shepherds have good flocks. Sometimes good shepherds have bad flocks. But we, myself and, and us, we want to be those. I want to be a good shepherd and I want us to be a good flock, that we love each other, that we take care of each other. And that's, that's what Paul desired here, I think, when he gave these, uh, these closing arguments, or, well, I won't say arguments, these closing words uh, in, this, in, this, in this book that, uh, to kind of guide the people of Thessalonica in these things that he wanted to, to remember. Verse 14, And we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Now, really, we could has spent a lot of time in these last, this last part of, of 1 Thessalonians 5 because there's a lot of things that we could have broken off by themselves and kind of looked at in their own, in their own little bubble by themselves and kind of broke them, break them apart. We won't do that, but <clears throat> here it gives us a good list of things that are really practical that we need to pay attention to. And he says, warn those who are irresponsible. Okay, so sometimes in bodies of believers or in our families, Sometimes there are people who are living foolishly and irresponsibly that are, not, that are not doing good, that are causing harm to themselves, or that are causing harm to the family, to the body of Christ. And so sometimes those situations have to be addressed. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way. 
We want to do it with love. We want to do it out of a good heart. We don't want to do it out of judgment. But there are times that people around us act irresponsibly as brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we're honest, perhaps there are times that we are those who are the irresponsible one. Now, the fact of the matter is, we don't like to confront anybody when they are living in a sinful way and causing dissension among the body. Uh, and we don't like to be approached when we are those who are doing wrong. We don't like for somebody to come tell us, should you be doing that? Should you be saying that? Should you be acting that way? That's not a Christ-like way to live. And so whenever we experience those situations, whether maybe we're the, the brother and sister in Christ that goes to somebody else and say, hey, I love you. I see you doing this. This isn't a good way to act. What can I do to help you? Or, or maybe you're the one that's being approached we need to be prayerful about those situations. We shouldn't, we shouldn't long for the situation. Let me just go and tell somebody what they're doing wrong. If you're, if you're chomping at the bit to go and do that to brothers and sisters in Christ, then you need to look at your own self first. That shouldn't be something that we should be eager to do. Uh, but sometimes there are problems amongst the body of Christ. And sometimes problems have to be dealt with, and that's, that's one of the worst parts about being a, a body, when somebody is causing trouble in the body and Thank the Lord it doesn't happen here much, but I believe in everybody of believers it will eventually happen. And there were some in Thessalonica that were not living right, that were living irresponsibly, and Paul says, look, warn those who were living irresponsibly. Now, we'll talk more about that once we get into 2 Thessalonians, a particular case, but uh, the core of this is Paul says, look, warn them so they don't keep living that way. The, the problem is when we're living in sin, doing what we shouldn't do, it's not good for us. It's to our own harm. And so uh, if we're doing something that's harmful, we should want somebody to say, hey, quit doing that. We may not like it at first, but, but if we really love the Lord and we really seek the Lord and we really pay attention to those who are around us that love us, uh, hopefully we'll listen to what they say and take it to heart, even if we don't like it. Comfort the discouraged. Now that's good news because there is a point in time that every one of us in this room gets discouraged. It is, it is inevitable. It does not matter. If you are young or if you are old, there are going to be days in life that you are discouraged. So what does Paul say to the body of believers? Comfort one another. Comfort the people who are discouraged. So if you know that somebody is discouraged, if you see they're discouraged, even if, you, even if you're not sure but you think, it's nothing wrong to say, hey, you doing okay today? I'm worried about you. You just look like you're kind of down today. It's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I love you. If I'm here for you, if I can do something for you, I just want you to know I'm here for you. That's encouraging when we do those kind of things. And so we need to comfort the discouraged because there are certainly days that we ourselves may need comfort as well and nothing feels better. Help the weak. There are days that we are weak. There are days that we need people to, to take care of us. Maybe, maybe spiritually we are weak and we need somebody to kind of encourage us in God's Word and build us up in God's Word. Maybe there are days that we are physically weak and we need people to take care of us. Uh, the last uh, last week, end of last week, last weekend, Michelle took care of me every day. She fed me and took care of me because I was weak. I didn't I didn't have my strength back, and she was good to take care of me. Sometimes we need people to take care of us when we are weak, when we can't take care of ourselves. And so maybe there are opportunities where we see a brother and sister in Christ, and maybe it doesn't look like their walk with the Lord's very good, or maybe maybe they're just sick. Plenty in our community are. Maybe we can say, hey, can I bring you some groceries? Can I come cut your grass? Can I do something for you? You know, I mean, there are things that we can do in our strength to help those who have no strength. And that's what Paul says to the people here. 
be patient with everyone. That's a tough one. Man, when I was reading through that, I thought, golly, that's, that's one that I, that I don't always do good. Sometimes I am not patient. I mean, it's, 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 it's a little easier to be patient on a good day, but it's not easy to be patient on a bad day. When you feel bad, when the phone's ringing off the hook, when all everything is going wrong, you can't figure nothing out, and somebody comes to you and they keep asking you a question or they want to do something, and sometimes you just snap. You just, you're not patient with them. What do you want? Hurry, get out of here. All right, here, take this. Go, do, do what? You know, and sometimes we are impatient, but that's something that we want to learn to be is patient in all, in all ways. And what better example to go by than the Lord? I think about that. Sometimes there are people maybe we are impatient with because of things they are doing. But man, think about how patient God has been with us throughout all of these years before we come to God. When we come to God, even still as Christians, how patient is he with us? How patient was he with his people throughout the whole Old Testament? God is certainly a patient God. He cannot be accused of being impatient. And so we want to pray that we would have that type of patience in our life. And I think we can draw that from God and his patience. Verse 15, seek, uh, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Now, that's a tough one, too, because it is so easy to repay evil for evil. Our minds probably almost instantly go there. Like, if somebody does something evil to us, if somebody punches you in the face, then you probably don't even think twice. And your natural reaction is, all right, let me try to punch them in the face. Now, maybe you do think twice. Maybe even after thinking twice, you have to, you have to exhibit some restraint. Somebody says something mean to you, they cuss you, well, you want to do that right back. And so we want to do what is evil when evil is done to us. But that's, that's not the Christ-like thing to do because what did Jesus do? Here he's being beaten. He's being mocked. He's got a crown of thorn on his head. He's toting his own cross. They're nailing him to the cross. But yet, even though Jesus had full power, he exhibited full restraint. And that's the example that we want to go by. Okay, our enemies may come at us. What do we do? Our enemy does something evil. Am I going to punch them? No. What, is, what does the Bible say? Pray for them. Do good to those who do bad to you. And so if somebody repays you with evil, then as hard as it is, try to forgive them, try to pray for them, and try to do good to them even if they do evil to you. But always pursue what is good for one another and for all. And so if everybody that has something evil done to them repays that evil with evil, then the world will be full of evil. But God... God doesn't want the world to be full of evil, and, and, and hopefully we don't either. So how can we work on changing the world? Well, we work on changing the world by following the example of Jesus Christ and doing what is good to those who do what is evil. We do good to those who are good. We do good to those who are evil. And that's what changes people's lives. And so we want to be those who do good for all. <clears throat> then in verse 16, he says, Rejoice always. Now, that one is... It's probably not easy because there are some days where it is really hard to rejoice when things are not going your way. I mean, when things are going your way and you're at your favorite vacation spot and everything is happy and you don't have any work, you're there with your family, you're, you're resting, the weather's perfect. Like, it's pretty good to rejoice in those days, no problem. But when you are sick and you can't pay the bills and, man, all these things going on around you at work and in your family, and it seems like one thing after another after another... It's hard to rejoice. 
If you don't, if 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 you don't have any trouble rejoicing or don't find any trouble rejoicing, then get an old house and decide to restore it. And all the problems you come into, there'll be days where it's like, God, I don't want to rejoice today. But then, you know, I guess the 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 more I read God's word, the more I make it through life, the more I see around me, I think the easier it is for me to rejoice, even on really bad days, because I know how good God is. And even on my worst day, I still have it. I still have it so good. Even the worst things that I go through. And that's not to say that 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 we don't go through some bad things, and uh, and we may not one day go through worse things. But we look at all the things that we have to rejoice in, and maybe we need to do that when we start thinking about all the negatives. Maybe we need to say, okay, God, let me start counting my blessings over here. What do I have to be grateful for? And so, what does He say? Rejoice always, even in the midst of our suffering. God is good, so let's rejoice. Pray constantly. We need to we need to have a heart uh, of prayer about us. Uh, we have an opportunity to pray during the day, morning, noon, and night. I mean, it's okay to have a prayer schedule. I mean, it's it's some some people say, all right, I pray at these certain times every day, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but pray when we have the opportunity. Prayer needs to be a permanent fixture of our life. It needs to be a constant thing for us, not just something we do here and we do there and I pray on Wednesday and I'll pray again on Saturday but it needs to be a constant part of our life not necessarily a set schedule although if that's the case that's fine but but it needs to be something that we are doing constantly and that needs to be part of our life give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus we have a lot to be thankful for it's easy for us to look at our bad things and our hard days, but let us count those blessings and give thanks for the good as well. Don't stifle the spirit or don't quench the spirit. Uh, on a personal level, I think we do that when we sin. Uh, even those who walk with the, with the Lord when we receive the Holy Spirit, I think when we are living in sin and in disobedience, we're not, we're not following the Spirit's lead. We're not listening to what the Spirit says. We're quenching a spirit that wants to work good in us to do uh, the work of the Lord and to be obedient to the Lord. And so we don't want to be those who live in sin and quench the Spirit. Uh, we don't want to be those who quench the Spirit, not necessarily in our own lives, but but collectively. Like, we don't want to be the one at the church, if God is moving at the church, that something we say or do is going to quench uh, the work that God is doing. Maybe other people are passionate and excited about God and and, and some of the things we say kind of take the air out of their sails or, or kind of pour some fire on them. That's what it means to quench, uh, to pour water on the fire, to, to put it out. And so when the Holy Spirit builds a fire in our life or in our church or in somebody else's life around us, we don't want our actions and our negativity and our sin and our attitude to, to damper the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do. We don't want to be those who quench the Spirit, either in our own life are in the lives of those around us. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. <clears throat> now, there's much that could be said about prophecies. We will not go into that tonight. You can certainly research that on your own time. Uh, there's a big discussion among Christians as to uh, what type of prophecies Christians still prophesy today uh, are, are is the gift of prophecy still uh, 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 taking place in the church at all is it limited in some fashion to what it was in the early church there are good Christian men and women uh, that fall on both sides of the equation 
uh, you could argue that everything has been has been revealed in God's Word through Jesus Christ. And so, from a from from a big picture standpoint, like I don't I don't know personally that I believe that there's anything else that can be revealed that's not already in Scripture. But does God use prophecy in some way? Maybe speak through somebody else into the lives of others? Well, it's possible. Uh, it's possible that that's the case, that maybe God lays something on your heart to go tell somebody else, hell, hey, God wanted me to tell you this. Sometimes people do that. Sometimes it's not from God. Sometimes it might be from God. Now, that's why it's important for us to remember the next part there, but test all things and hold on to what is good. And so if somebody comes to you and they tell you they have this prophecy from the Lord, well, listen to what they have to say, but don't don't just... Soak it all up. I mean, test what they have to say. I mean, it may be something crazy that you can pretty much, as soon as they tell it to you, say, I'm not so sure that that's of the Lord. Or maybe it's something that, that causes you to question, but test everything with the Scripture, and, uh, and you'll know for sure. If anything goes against what the Scripture says, then you will know it did not come from God. So some Christians believe that prophecy still takes place just like it did in the Old Testament, and there are prophets out there prophesying this really gnarly, miraculous stuff. Others believe that, well, there's prophecy to some extent, but it's a much lesser extent than what was in the early church. And some Christians believe that the gift of prophecy has ceased altogether. Uh, people who hold that view with the, with the gifts are called cessationists. If you want to research the, that topic anymore, you can research cessationism or cessationist, and that, that, would, that would lead you to plenty of articles uh, of those who believe that the, the gifts of the Spirit uh, are no longer active in the church today. But we've discussed that in the past, and we won't go into it here tonight. But stay away from every kind of evil. Now that we can understand. There's no problem understanding that. If there's something that we see and we know that it is evil, then we need to flee from that. We need to flee from the devil. We need to flee from evil. We want to do what's good and not what is evil. So that's pretty self-explanatory. If we get away when we see sin and evil before us, then chances are we're going to keep ourselves from a lot of trouble. But too many times we see evil and we don't stay away from it. We try to see how close we can get to the line. Okay, here's the line of what's wrong. And I, I, I know if I go to, over this line, I'll be doing what's wrong. So, so how can I do just as much as I want to and have just a little bit of fun without going over the line? And too many times we go over the line. But we don't want to flirt with the line. We want to stay away from evil. <clears throat> Verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now... We see the idea of sanctification here. We talked about that, I think, a few weeks ago, that idea of being made holy, being made perfect. And when we are with the Lord, we will see that come to completion. And uh, may the God uh, him, of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound. Now, we see spirit, soul uh, mentioned here. Throughout the scriptures, we see the spirit and the soul. Is the spirit and the soul Two separate things, or does it speak of one and the same? Well, it's really difficult because there are some passages that kind of seem to use spirit and soul interchangeably. But then there are other passages, like this passage, and like Hebrews chapter 4, 12, and 13, that talks about the Word of God is able to, to split uh, the soul and the spirit. So there seems to be some distinction in it, but it seems to be such a fine distinction that 
you know, the Word of God can, can, can split something that fine. Now, among Christians, you, you will find two groups. This is something else you may want to study if you ever are bored. Uh, the dichotomous view and the trichotomous view. The dichotomous view says soul and spirit are one and body is one. So those are the two things, soul, spirit, and body. The trichotomous view says, no, the soul and the spirit and the body, there's three different things. The soul and the spirit are separate. Now, uh, I don't know that that's an issue that Christians uh, should argue about. It's certainly not a, a, a salvific issue. It's, nobody's salvation is going to be uh, uh, affected by that view, I don't think. And there, you'll find plenty of Christian men and women, uh, preachers and teachers that you probably listen to that probably either are dichotomous or trichotomous. This is not a, a major issue, but, but passages like this and the ones in Hebrews do seem to uh, be the strongest argument that the soul and the spirit are different in some way. In what way are they exactly different? You can find lots of people online uh, and in commentaries that can tell you, oh, here's the, here's the very nuanced difference. But based on how those words are used in Scripture, uh, speaking oftentimes of the same type of stuff, uh, they have to be very similar in some way as well. So maybe the soul and spirit are two separate things, or maybe they are one in the same. But that's, uh, that's something you may want to research if, you, if that's something that piques your interest. Uh, be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the theme that we've seen throughout this whole book of 1 Thessalonians. Toward the end of every chapter that we've looked at, right toward the end of the closing words for that section, there's been something about the second coming. And we see that, that mention here, uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So that's good news. The Lord is faithful to uh, sanctify us completely through the work that Jesus did on the cross. Brothers, pray for us also. That's good. That's good. Paul, even, even in the leadership position that he was, he was not ashamed to ask for prayer, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, we we want to pray for, for for those who lead us as Christians. We uh, we all have people in our life uh, that that are in some type of leadership role that we look up to, that we respect. I think about Brother Ernie, and uh, man, even people that we think, man, he or she is a really mature Christian. Pray for them. Uh, those people need our prayers. We see uh, we see lots of people that are doing the work of the Lord, preachers and pastors and teachers and missionaries. And these men and women need our work uh, so that God will continue to do great work through them, just as he was doing through Paul. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. So I expect to see us all doing that Sunday at church. We can all kiss each other. And uh, if anybody gives you a crazy look, you just tell them to go read 1 Thessalonians 5.26. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So Paul is writing this letter, and he wants all the people around to read it. And, and what a phenomenal thing that all of these thousands of years uh, later, uh, that not only did the people of Thessalonica read this letter, but a group of people in Liberty, Mississippi, are still reading the words that Paul wrote to Thessalonica. And guess what? They are still just as good for you and I today. There's a lot of good things for us to to chew on in this in this passage for us to say, hey, am I living my life in that way? Am I being that kind of person in the body of Christ that I'm serving in? Am I there for, for people around me? Am I comforting those who are discouraged? Am I helping those who are weak? Am I, am I praying constantly? Am I thanking the Lord? Am I praising God? Am I focused on Him? Uh, and if we're not, then we need to. 
And if we are, then let us keep doing more of the same. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word, and I pray that you just bless it. I pray that you help us to have a good night, dear Lord, and I thank you for the freedom we have to come here tonight and look at it, and I pray that you just uh, help us to take what we've read in your word, tuck it in our heart, and take it with us when we leave tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.